Hello, and welcome to the new world of consumer behavior, Lessons from Data Pioneers. I'm your host, Kat Harwood, Director of Corporate Communications at NIR. This episode features a conversation with Gary Orfield, Director of Tourism Development at Greater Palm Springs. Gary is also the chair for the International Marketing Committee of Visit California, a nonprofit organization with a mission to develop and maintain marketing programs promoting California as a premier travel destination. In this episode, Gary talks about the impact the pandemic had on tourism in California. He shares how his team used a powerful combination of data to develop long-term strategies to bolster tourism and Greater Palm Springs. But first, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Imagine what your company could do with one of the world's largest vaults of intelligence on consumer behavior. The possibilities for business efficiency are endless. Across people, places, and products, across retail, restaurants, tech, and tourism, data is the key to unlocking insights that drive results for your business. NIR is the global SaaS leader in privacy-led data intelligence with over 1.6 billion data points. Go to near.com to learn how near can help your business make better decisions. Now, please enjoy this interview with Gary Orfield, Director of Tourism Development at Visit Greater Palm Springs. I'm Kat Harwood. I'm the host of The New World of Consumer Behavior, and I'm very excited to be here with Gary Orfield with Visit Greater Palm Springs. So thank you so much for being here, Gary. Thank you, Kat. It's a pleasure. Wonderful. So let's get started. Can you tell us a little bit about your work and your role with Greater Palm Springs? Yeah, my role is primarily to oversee our efforts in promoting the destination to leisure guests all across the world. We also work with the airlines as well as Palm Springs International Airport to promote the destination and to expand seasonality of flights. So primarily in the travel trade, and air service development. I feel like Palm Springs already is world famous. Everyone knows it's a beautiful place to come get some warm weather, play some golf, have some great cuisine. It was really perfectly positioned with the pandemic to support people wanting to get out of the city and being able to do remote work. It's just sort of that place, that destination to go, despite all odds. I'm sort of curious with you know, inflation rates and market conditions. Are you seeing any changes to the people coming into Palm Springs at all? Or is it sort of business as usual? I think as of right now, it's not having a huge impact. I think we're starting to see issues of inflation, the high gas prices, the strong hotel room rates. It's not sustainable. When that ends is anyone's guess. But So far, just from what we've seen early summer, we're still fairly much right where we'd want to be. That's amazing. And summer overall, is this a busy time of year or does it sort of quiet down with the heat? Sometimes people are a little scared of the heat. I tell them there's nothing to worry. We have 50,000 swimming pools, so you're (laughs) never far from a nice float on the pool. Typically, summer is a slower season, and that's one of our primary goals as an organization is to really make this more of a year-round destination. And I think the data that we look at and behaviors has really helped us focus resources. You know, we put a lot of effort into the overseas markets who are primarily typically here, June through September timeframe. 
if you go back and look past 10, 12 years, on a percentage basis, that summer season has actually grown more than our peak season. Not a lot, but it's definitely, it's a nice trend to see that growth come in a, such a neat period. And as I was talking earlier with all the air service growth, a lot of that was coming in the summer too. So we've picked up airlines that are not just flying, you know, November through April, it's year round to new destinations. So not only does that provide better opportunity for leisure guests coming in, better opportunity for residents, and as well as the groups and conventions. So it's having a big effect on us being able to kind of create that year-round season that we'd like. That's great. That's great. It's nice to see an area that you think maybe wouldn't be as busy, kind of have that uptick in travelers and, you know, summer vacation. I would think a lot of your overseas travelers have more time to make the journey to Palm Springs. So I'm curious, who is your typical overseas traveler? Yeah, I mean, I would think our top overseas market would be the UK. But France, Germany, and Australia are not far behind at all. So primarily, those overseas visitors are here for 10 days, two weeks, three weeks. They're doing a big fly drive itinerary through California or through the Southwest. And our typical summer business domestic is heavy on the weekends. Friday, Saturdays are still 80% or better on the hotels. And those overseas guests, they're coming whenever. They don't have to be only here on a weekend. And typically an international overseas visitor spends more and stays longer in a destination. So Their timing is perfect for us, June through September. They don't have to be on a Friday and Saturday. It just depends on where we slot in on their itinerary. We've got a great location. We're in the middle of four big international gateways with Phoenix, Las Vegas, LA, San Diego, that have those overseas flights. So as they're driving and as their itinerary unfolds, it's easy for them to to make a stop here and spend two or three nights or more. Sounds like the perfect stop. Very cool. And how do you and your team use data? We use data quite a bit. Um, Our CEO is a a big believer in that we have quite a bit of research projects. And one of our team members, Rebecca, is our business analyst. Primarily, her main role is to kind of oversee and manage the data that we collect and utilize to validate where we're putting our resources. So everything from economic impact surveys, Second home ownership, which is important for us because we will use that data with the airlines as well, kind of showing them where a lot of people live who own second homes here, even on the salt and sea, just with everything that's going on 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 there and trying to save that and how it could affect not only the visitation, uh, but also the lives of our residents working to try to get a uh, FIS facility at Palm Springs International Airport, you know, research studies that show the feasibility and that hopefully get an overseas flight one day. Uh, expands quite a breadth of types of data that we use from consumer behavior to obviously with the geolocation data as well. Very interesting. So it sounds like the team definitely uses data for a whole host of different use cases, and it sounds essential to really the business. How does data and sort of day-to-day operations and marketing come together in your organization? Well, I mean, I think there's certainly a danger in looking at too much data. You can easily dig yourself a hole if you're only relying on that. So it's really about 
working together as a team to to analyze the data and interpret it and to really take what we're seeing, hearing from our partners, from our hoteliers, our restaurants, and really just trying to find that storyline, but not relying on just one piece of data or one source of information. So it's definitely through, you know, I think a team discussion and analysis as we look at that and to implement whether it's a marketing campaign or just dedicating resources. It's definitely a team effort. I know there can be data overload. So now that we have a little bit of the background, let's get into what we call the data vault. So first question I have for you is, what problems are you trying to solve or questions you need to answer when using consumer behavior data? Well, one big one on the leisure guest role is really just to identify the source markets, the booking environment and ecosystem on leisure travel, especially with our international guests, can be quite complicated and can go through many different hands and companies. So just really understanding source markets is always very important for us. And then obviously just really looking at what consumers, what travelers are wanting, not only on the positive side, but on the negative side. You know, what are some of the attributes of the place they didn't like before? What are the challenges that they have in actually getting here? So it runs what kind of problems, challenges we have and where that data helps us understand the whole host, not just behavior, but other areas as well. And have you found any surprising wants or don't wants from your leisure travels, travelers? What's been a little bit surprising coming out of the pandemic is not so much maybe what they want or don't want, but I think it's what they say in surveys and what they do. So there's definitely feels like there's a little bit more disconnect in what they would say they would do or would not do versus what's really happening. So again, just the past few years, everything has been so fluid that it's really been a very difficult task to try to get a handle on what tomorrow brings or you know what people are going to want or need down the line. To me, that's been one of the biggest challenges over the past few years. So what are some of the biggest challenges your industry faces with regard to making data and marketing decisions? Going back to the challenge of what consumers are saying in a survey or in research versus what they're putting to action, the big challenge recently. And as I mentioned, coming out of the pandemic, we're still understanding what quote unquote new normal will look like. And it seems to still change quite a bit. And it's certainly evident the demand is there with all the things that have happened now. Can we fulfill that demand? That made me think, you know, despite not being able to perfectly predict what's always going to happen with pandemic and market conditions, it sounds like Greater Palm Springs has been able to really keep their leisure travelers coming and know what to expect and get them excited to continue to visit. We've really looked at the data, look at the consumer behavior, and obviously coming out of the pandemic, People have wanted the outdoor experience, the health and wellness to really get away from it all. And so we've really tried to take that data and showing what they are wanting in this post-pandemic world and really align it well with our brand pillars, enhance that, just reiterate what we've always been known for and how that fits within this new kind of consumer behavior and wants and desires when they're traveling. So what have the last two years been like for Greater Palm Springs? And how did things change for you as a tourist destination since the start of the pandemic? We are certainly very fortunate. I think there's been many silver linings that have come out of this for us, notwithstanding 
with all due respect to, to personal loss and there has been loss, but we discovered that we kind of rebounded fairly quickly starting in the, in the summer of 2020. We had extremely positive summer. People were wanting that outdoor experiences to get away from the big cities. And it also didn't hurt that, you know, we're a two-hour drive from several million people to come out and do quick getaways. So we started seeing a fairly good recovery um, fairly soon. And we saw our real estate market boom. You know, we had a lot of people move here for remote work. You know, that opened that up. And with kids doing remote learning, we started seeing significant air service growth with new airlines and new routes coming in. Um, We saw huge spike in demand for private home rentals, which is something we already had a good inventory of. We definitely came through this pretty well, better than a lot of bigger destinations. Obviously, the big cities and big destinations have suffered much more than us and are slower to rebound. We have just kind of taken, again, what our destination has always been known for, and that's really kind of aligned with what a lot of people wanted and still want coming out of the pandemic. You had mentioned that you use a lot of different sources when collecting data. What are those sources? Which ones do you consider? So, I mean, VisaView is is a one that's good for us, you know, showing the cardholder spin while they're in destination based upon their billing zip code. Obviously, the near data has been a big, big win for us to have a better understanding of the source markets, the ability to geofence our hotel partners and our attractions and restaurants and retail to really support them and helping them to understand you know, where their source markets are. When a guest comes to their hotel, where are they going after that? So you know, they can see if a lot of their guests are going to a certain retail establishment or a certain area of restaurants, you know, maybe they can build packages and really try to enhance that a little bit. You know, those are two big ones that we use. And then we work with companies like Tourism Economics and Destination Analyst in the economic impact um, of tourism. Or we've got a new hockey arena that's being built here to be the minor league team for the Seattle Kraken. So we did an economic impact study on that to help understand that. We're doing one right now for the airport to really understand the benefits of of putting in an FIS, you know, Customs and Border Patrol. So all of those data points really kind of help us validate, I guess, where we're putting our resources is correct. Yeah, it sounds like you're unveiling really interesting things. I would never think that Palm Springs would open a hockey arena. We have a lot of Canadians here with second homes. So there's a big hockey fan base here. A lot of people from the Pacific Northwest have homes here, Chicago, Northeast. So Seattle is a big, the biggest route or as far as the number of passengers coming direct to Palm Springs. So very interesting. I could see that though. Canadians, people up in Seattle, it does tend to be a lot cooler there, if you will, than Palm Springs. So I could see, you know, that population coming down to where you are and wanting to take a little bit of home with them. So it makes sense. It's good to know I can bring my ice skates when I come to Palm Springs. You can. Yeah, it sounds like Greater Palm Springs really has the pillars, like you said, in your North Star, and you just kind of move in that direction and you know what people want. And it sounds like data is really helping to support that. So that's great. Another way, you know, I think that data has really 
helped us or, you know, as far as consumer behavior and kind of what they're looking for is, is to really help us understand how to get people into areas of the destination that may not be in the front page of the visitor's guide. Mm-hmm. And we even created a YouTube series on our YouTube channel called Wonderlust. And oh, it's that. a collection of probably a couple dozen videos that really go to areas of the destination. You know, a typical visitor for the first time may not ever know is there, you know, whether it's Salvation Mountain out in, in the Salton Sea or a small museum or um you know, it just really does a good job of getting people off the beaten path and into more local and authentic places that they can really understand the community and what we're made of. So having the data on consumer behavior and kind of what they're looking for when they travel, you really want to, you know, learn about the culture and the ambiance of the destination. So, you know, that's, we've used data to, to do things like that. Wow, that makes sense. And seems so important with the way people change their behaviors constantly. And actually, it's a nice tie into the sustainability. You're trying to level out the playing field, if you will. You know, you're trying to get people in all corners of your destination. There's a lot more to see than, unfortunately, what makes it into the guidebooks and visitors' guides. It sounds like you really know who your travelers are. You know how to meet those expectations of where they go, what they want to do. But I'm curious how you measure these improvements when you figure out, you know, where people are going, what they want. How do you kind of know that you're hitting the mark? That's a good question. You know, at the end of the day, it's our mission is twofold. I mean, it's to drive tourism here and it's to impact the lives of our residents in in a positive manner. So I think in the big picture, that's kind of what we look at. But going granular, I mean, it could be. If it's a social media campaign on something specific I mentioned, you know, measuring the engagements on that. Again, hearing what our partners are saying, the feedback, if it's working for them or what's not working or what is working for them. We're here to support them. And, and, you know, we think of them as a client as much as I think of the key client from London. That's our job to help promote them and support them and their efforts. And out of curiosity, the traveler coming from Seattle versus the traveler coming from London. I know the international travelers, they're longer, but sort of on average, or what's the common itinerary for someone coming to Palm Springs? What do you have to see? What can you not miss? Well, that's a good question. I mean, it's, you know, everybody has different desires and, and interest levels. We're fortunate, I haven't mentioned this, but, you know, where we're located is being adjacent to Joshua Tree National Park. So that's always a nice itinerary to place on your visit here, even though you're kind of going outside the destination. But it's very common for people to come here and do their day visits into the park. So, you know, that's a big one. Some of the big um, other activities, I mean, the, the Palm Springs Aerial Tram, the world's largest rotating tram going up to the Cleveland National Forest there, about 9,000 feet up, so especially good in the summer. You know, it's about 30 or 40 degrees cooler. That's nice to um, have. <laughs> the Jeep tours that will go into the San Andreas Fault or to back into the Indian Canyons where the Native Americans first settled. It is a very artistic community, so a lot of museums, a lot of art galleries, a lot of farmers markets. One of the communities, Desert Hot Springs, is very well known for their natural hot mineral waters and spas there. So much to do. You know, really where this destination started getting on the map was the, the Hollywood stars coming out here, right? And they're they're getting away from the hustle and bustle of Hollywood and, and coming out to relax and relieve the stress. 
Yeah, as you were saying, all the different things you could do once you moved into the waters and the spas and the saunas, I'm like, I need to pack my bags and get to Palm Springs immediately. Let's talk a little bit about long-term strategic decisions looking down the road. How are you continuing to use data to make decisions in the future, if that's a thing? And is that even possible? That's the million-dollar question, right? Is really, if you stick true to what you do best and what what we are known for. And again, those brand pillars are there for a reason. And that is really the buckets that most of the experiences derive from. I think it's just important for us just to track the new any new consumer behaviors or desires or patterns and really relate that back to what our strengths are. We'll never be a, a San Diego with amusement parks or Universal Studios. We're not going to be a a West Hollywood with multiple bars and nightclubs and and things. So I think it's really just embracing what we do best, tweaking it when we can, and just really keeping tabs of what we think is the consumer wants. And again, a lot of it is just reading between the lines, collecting, looking at as many different sources of data and types of data that you can, coming together as a team, taking feedback from the community, from the stakeholders, and really just bringing a story and being able to tell a story through that. Makes sense. It's sort of a collective of information and sources. How does data security play a role in the way you use data at your organization? Well, yeah, we certainly have our own policies as far as the data we collect and share um, for consumers. And yeah, as the world evolves, there is certainly challenges with that. As you probably know, I mean, there's some pretty strict policies in Europe. China is obviously very difficult. Going back to that visa view, I think has almost 50% of all the cardholders in the world, but China, it's probably single digits. So you've got to kind of look at, take all of that into account when you're looking at specific data points and really understand that. We just, we find ways of working around it. It is evolving and it is making it more of a challenge as we Mm -hmm. go forward. Yeah. And it continues to be more and more challenging, I feel. Yeah, exactly. So I'm curious how your organization sort of thinks about combining that online behavioral data with the real world physical data. Again, I think it's just important to pull as many data sources and as many feedback and opinions as possible and not relying too much on one set of data. And then also really just not going too deep. Mm -hmm. You can analyze some of this research and data so you get paralysis and and you're not going to be able to make any decisions. I mean, there is, you know, a lot of it is you're just going to have to take a chance and, and really just go in the best direction you feel. Just be able to, I think it, If anything, the pandemic has taught us to be very nimble, to have a lot of flexibility. So a lot of the, pretty much any marketing or any kind of campaign we're doing now, it's really, there's a big element of design in that where we could pivot. And I hate to use that word. I think that was, it's been used quite a bit the past two years, but It's it's really important to be able to have that flexibility and be able to go into a different direction if need be, just because of the fluid nature of the world mm-hmm. the past few years. I think when we present some of the data to the hotels, I think it's just always, it's always a little bit of an eye opener to see 
what their guests are doing and where they're coming from. I think it helps them understand what their hotel offers and why it would maybe attract someone from New York versus someone from, from Phoenix, for example. So I think that's that's been a big help for them. It sounds like you can go down that road again. How would you say this data has maybe given you a leg up with your competitors? I think we do a really good job going back, aligning with what the consumers wanting with our brand pillars. And one thing that we're excited about that's getting ready to launch is our investment with the Brand USA campaign that's called United Stories. So this has been a big investment and both time and money, and this is going to be released soon. But it's basically a, a video, a two, two to three minute video of telling the story about the destination. And the angle that we went with was a multi-generational family coming here to reconnect. That's something that's, that we've used. And whether that's a leg up on the competition, I'm not sure. I think we just really tried to take the strengths and apply it to what is on consumers and travelers' minds right now. Mm-hmm. Definitely sounds like you're hitting the mark. Do you have any number one data do's and data don'ts? Do try to find as many sources as possible. And just on the flip side, don't rely on one or two data points and, and don't analyze till you're paralyzed. You know, so those I think that's my biggest takeaways on using research and data is to, to get this clear and a bigger picture from many different angles and opinions as possible. Do you have any advice for a first-time person in a role like yours trying to develop a data strategy? But maybe sort of going back to not necessarily the do's and don'ts, but where do you even start? Yeah, and I think it just depends on the ultimate end goal. I think really just understanding what is, you know, how is data going to help you? What What is the goal? So depending on how you answer that, I think would guide you into the specific types of research or types of data to look at. And obviously setting setting a budget is is important because it, it can get expensive. You know, there's mm-hmm. lots Definitely. of companies that'll happy to kind of do a lot of research projects for you. So yeah, no, I just think it really just start with the end goal. What is it that you want out of this data? What kind of information do you need? Mm-hmm. You know, what is it that you need to, to help you dedicate your resources? Yeah. Source. There's ways you can collect information from from your hotel, from your partners and stakeholders and the people you work with. So there's lots of ways to collect data and understand the consumer behavior. Absolutely. I love that. It's that personalization that really makes things special for tourists and, you know, anywhere you're going, wherever you're staying or eating, those touches really do make it that much more special. So I'm happy to hear the Greater Palm Springs is doing that. And it sounds like you really know who your travelers are, whether they're, you know, coming from Seattle or London or wherever that might be. So I'm ready to pack my bags and come to Palm Springs. I've never been. So well, we're open and we'd love to have you. Thank you for your time, Gary. This was fun. Thank you. Appreciate your support and everything that you guys have done for us. And, you know, it's still a learning process for us. Definitely. We don't know it all. So we're, we're still an open book and open mind and, and um, looking at different ways to do it better. So thank you again for your support. Of course, we're in it together for sure. Thank you for listening to this episode of The New World of Consumer Behavior. To learn more about this topic, check out the case study on our website. The link is in the show notes below. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to leave a rating and a review and tell a friend. 
This podcast was brought to you by NIR, one of the world's largest sources of intelligence on people, places, and products.